0: The Inform Fitness podcast with Adam Zickerman is a presentation of Inform Fitness Studios, specializing in safe, efficient, personal high-intensity strength training. In each episode, Adam discusses the latest findings in the areas of exercise, nutrition, and recovery, the three pillars of his New York Times best-selling book, The Power of Ten. He aims to debunk the popular misconceptions and urban myths that are so prevalent in the fields of health and fitness, and with the opinions of leading experts and scientists, you'll hear scientific-based, up-to-the-minute information on a variety of subjects. We cover the exercise protocols and techniques of Adam's 20-minute, once-a-week workout, as well as sleep, recovery, nutrition, the role of genetics in the response to exercise, and much more.
1: Hello everybody, greetings, Adam here. Welcome to the Inform Fitness Podcast Rewind. It's our listening back to classic interviews with high-intensity gurus, master trainers, scientists, and authors. This is part four of our interview with author, personal trainer, and biomechanics expert, Bill D. Simone. Conversations with Bill are always enjoyable, always enlightening because of his experience. Being in the business for over 40 years, he really knows his stuff. There's absolutely no one better to discuss the past and present trends in training. But first, a quick chat about posture,
2: mobility, and
1: feel in exercise.
2: Some people work at a desk, their posture's fine. Maybe they just intuitively stretch during the day. Like maybe maybe the postural issue... You know, the only thing with postural issues, if you get them when the person's young, you might be able to, to correct them. You get, get a person, you know, 60, 70... It may have settled into the actual joints. The joints actually may have changed shape. Yeah, we got people with kyphosis all the time, and we're like, we're not going to, we're not going to reverse gonna that kyphosis. That.
1: I mean, you know, you have these women that are. I find it a lot with tall women, right? They grow up taller than everyone being else in shy. their class, and they're shy, so yep. they, they end up being kyphotic because they're shy to stand up tall. Right. Uh, you can't. I, I've never been able. To, I mean, you can prevent further degeneration and, and further kyphosis. And maybe at
2: 20 or 25, if you catch that maybe you can train, they can train out of it. But if you get it when it's already locked in, that's all you can do is not do more damage. The way we train people takes a half hour, twice a week maybe. That leaves plenty of time for this person to do mobility work or flexibility work if they have a specific activity that they think they need the work in. If you're training for strength once or twice a week, that leaves a lot of time that you can do some of these mobility things if the person needs them. Yeah, I think feel is very overrated in our line of work. The guy can get you to feel something, but it's not, a, you know, you can do a concentration curl, a tricep kickback, or, you know, a donkey kicks with a cuff, and you'll feel something because you're not because you're making the muscle about to cramp, but that's not necessarily a positive. As far as activating the glutes go, if they don't feel on the leg press, I would go to the abductor machine. If you put somebody on the abductor machine and they feel the sides of their glutes burn, in that case, the feel matches what you're trying to do. If you have somebody doing these uh, glute bridging exercises where their shoulders are on a chair and their hips are on the ground and knees are bent and they're kind of just driving their hips up, you feel that, but it's, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, you're feeling it because you're trying to get the glutes to contract at the end of where they away from their strongest point. You're not taxing the glutes, you're getting a feeling, but it's not really ch- challenging the, the, the strength of the glutes. One thing that was better in the early 80s is because we had all these Nautilus fitness centers around with the, the one right way to work out, even though that didn't catch, I noticed the trainers who came through that system you had a common vocabulary that you could work off of. So at Sports Training Institute, which was around at the time, we would get trainers from those types of Nautilus fitness centers. And it was like that was sort of like the default workout, one set to failure, full range of motion on this machine. But if the client didn't like going to failure or if the machine didn't agree with them, it would take us, you know, we, we had the option of doing what we do now. Trainers today, people coming out of school today, or even with multiple certifications, there's a definite, to me, there's like a lack of, um, it's like the anything, go, school of exercise, right? If I call it an exercise, it's an exercise. <laughs> there's no common vocabulary. So a young trainer will come into the studio and see that I have a kettlebell. He's, oh, great, I'm going to do this. No, you're not. No, 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 no. The kettlebells hold the door open.
0: (laughs) That was (laughs) for experimentation.
2: That was for experimentation only, and I was the (laughs) guinea pig. No, we do not do that with clients. (laughs) There's there's too much of an anything-goes mentality. Like, you know, just because some physical labor you did makes you breathless and makes you sweat, makes your muscles burn and pumps you up, doesn't necessarily make it a good idea. And that, I think, is very common among newer trainers. The exercise industry has created this, they've created this structure that I don't think, I, I kind of think is a house of cards. Like it appears to have a lot of substance to it, but if you can't apply it to most people who walk in your door, what good is it? And that's kind of why I got away from NSCA type stuff and heavy industry stuff. And yeah, let me tell you, but you know what, you, you say that,
1: but CrossFit is very popular from what I understand. There, well, there listen, are- I'm
2: not giving investment advice. But if you talk to people in any of these boot camp things by us, everybody's mm-hmm. banged up. Oh, yeah. Things like that normalize getting injured in exercise. It's, but it's just like politics, right? If, if, you, if you say something outrageous, everything up to outrageous gets normalized, even though that stuff's outrageous.
1: Right. Like low-carb diet. I'm eating 100 grams of carbs a day, and that's considered a low-carb diet. Well, yeah, compared to the average American diet of 500 carbs a day.
2: Jones, in the early days of Nautilus... Granted, there was some excessive, you know, we, we overtrained and trained too hard and stuff like that. But there was a little more of an, I mean, Darden's books and stuff like that. There was a little more awareness of not of the exercise itself not causing new problems. We
1: also get misrepresented and misunderstood when, you know, for example, I've heard recently even that some people were like, I like that informed fitness. I like the concept of, of that once a week high intensity workout, but I like working out every single day. So I don't know. I don't know if that's for me because I'd rather work out every single day as if it's a mutually exclusive decision. And right. what I like to say is, uh, and, and, and that's not where we stand. That's not what we say. We say, if you do this, don't do anything else in your life. What we're saying is all you need is one really highly intense workout per week. And then do all your other things if you like doing all those other things. If you'd like to get on a treadmill and burn off some steam every single day, then do so. But do so in moderation, do so carefully, and understand the risks associated with that. But but you don't have to not do it. What you need to be careful of is not overdoing too many really super-duper intense
2: workouts. That's what we're really saying. Well, I probably, especially over the summers, quote, work out every day. I'm still only using the weights once a week, I really think once a week high intensity, whether it's machines or free weights, and the discipline like a Pilates or a yoga I think that's exactly the right combination as far as staying healthy and being physically capable as we get older that's exactly the right combination, right the days of heavy lifting I mean, three times five, a yeah. week
1: so so there you go if i was if I was anti if we stood for you wouldn't have that stuff you wouldn't have uh, an acupuncturist here a pilates instructor here we didn't have a massage therapist here you know it's not one size fits all number one and they're two different things this is high intensity exercise to get you as strong as hell in the safest manner possible well that's it folks a great chat with bill D. simone on the informed fitness podcast rewind it's been a listen back to classic interviews with high intensity gurus, master trainers, scientists and authors. We'll have more coming soon from the likes of Martin Gabala, Doug Brignoli, Brian Hall and Dr. Doug McGuff, all coming soon on the Inform Fitness podcast rewind.
0: This has been the Inform Fitness podcast with Adam Zickerman. For over 20 years, Inform Fitness has been providing clients of all ages with customized personal training designed to build strength fast. And now Adam and his staff would be delighted to train you virtually. Just visit informfitness.com for testimonials, blogs, and videos on the three pillars, exercise, nutrition, and recovery.